Is that how you spoke as a child, Haley? That little boy? Extra syllables in every word? Temptation. Let me set this up, why this was such a great temptation for him and what was going on in the scene. First of all, if you know anything about golf and you have watched this movie and you see the ball move, your heart just stops and your stomach sinks. No, because you know it's a penalty. And like the little boy, the little boy jumps up. Nobody saw it, just you and I. We're the only two that saw it. Don't, we don't have to tell. I'm not going to tell anybody. Cross my heart. I'm not going to tell anyone. You don't tell anyone. No one will know. Cheat just this once. So here's the deal. This, this Juna was a great talent of a golfer, but he threw his life away. And in comes Bagger Vance and helps him redeem himself, not just as a golfer really, but as a man. And he gets to this apex point where he's playing the two greatest golfers of the time and probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest golfer of all times, Bobby Jones. Walter Hagen and Bobby Jones, he gets to this match with him, this unknown kid, and he has a chance to win, to beat these two giants of golf. But then this happens. I got to call a stroke on myself. I got to call a penalty on myself. The little boy says, no, don't do it, don't do it. Hagen and Jones are like, well, maybe it didn't really move. You know, it might have moved, you know, it probably moved before you moved the needle is what Jones says. Hagen's like, well, you know, the light at this time of day, they had driven cars onto the course and were using the headlights for light because it had become so dark. You know, you can't really see, so it probably didn't move. And then even the rules official, the Scottish guy, is like, well, maybe it rolled, but it moved back to where it was to begin with. So then that's not a penalty. All these people, all these outside forces going, don't call a penalty on yourself. Don't do it. What are you thinking? You have a chance to win here. Don't mess it up by one silly little mistake. As a little kid puts it, that don't mean nothing anyway. Just moving the one pine needle. It moves the ball and costs him. The temptation not to follow the rules was so great, I'm sure, for him. The temptation to cheat, basically. Temptation. Temptation, thy name is Dryer's Ice Cream. Temptation, thy name is Alcohol. Temptation, thy name is Fill in the Blank. What is it? For you. Let me tell you something. We're all tempted. We're all tempted on a daily basis for something. We're all tempted every day in different ways. And, and a lot of times we have that one temptation that keeps coming back in our life. That one thing that keeps rearing its head. That's our monkey. That's our, that's our thing. It keeps rearing itself and showing itself and going, hey, remember this? Let's do this. Or let's don't do this. Temptation is something we all deal with on a daily basis. The battle that we, that we have to fight every day. The question is, how do you do in that fight? A temptation is nothing new. It has been around forever. It started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And Eve being tempted for something greater than God had given her. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is writing to the people of Corinth. And this is kind of a long passage. I'm going to try to read it quickly, but I speak kind of slow too, so sometimes I mess stuff up. I don't want you to forget, this is verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, what happened to our ancestors in the wilderness long ago? God guided all of them by sending a cloud that moved along ahead of them, and he brought them all safely through the waters of the sea onto dry land. As followers of Moses, they were all baptized in the cloud and the sea, and all of them ate the same miraculous food, and all of them drank the same miraculous water, for they all drank from the miraculous rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet after all of this, God was not pleased with most of them, and he destroyed them in the wilderness. These events happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. For the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged themselves in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ or the Lord to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did, For that is why God sent his angel of death to destroy them. All these events happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the time when when this age is drawing to a close. Verse 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful. For you too may fall into the same sin. But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. Temptation has been around forever. Temptation has always been and will always be until Jesus comes back again. Look at the people of Israel. Think of all that, they, you know, when you, if you go back to the Old Testament and you read through the Old Testament, it gets, uh, well, I don't know if you have a dark sense of humor like I do, but it gets kind of comical the way that the people of Israel are like, oh my gosh, things are so horrible. Life is so bad. And God goes, okay, I love you. Let me relieve you of whatever pain or stress you're under right now. And they're like, oh, that's great. Wow. Look at this God over here. It's shiny and wonderful. Let's turn our back on the guy that just saved us. Bam. They crash again. Oh my gosh, God, come save us. And he goes, okay, I love you. I'll come save you again. And then like, ooh, look at this. It's gold and shiny again. And they travel off to something else and they crash again. It's like one thing after another, after another. It's, we love God, so you come save us. And then we're like, now that things are going well, God who? Yeah, bam, again. It's over and over again. They saw these amazingly wonderful, miraculous things in their life. They saw God move in ways that most of us have never seen. Think of the people as they were released out of Egypt, as they were brought forth. They were slaves in Egypt. How do they cross the sea? God parts the water and they walk right across the bottom of the sea. Holy cow. I've been to the Universal Studios in Southern California and I've driven through the Red Sea where they filmed the movie actually. And I thought that was really impressive. And it was done with, you know, like plexiglass and water falling over the plexiglass. And you can see how they do it with, holy cow, that God parts the sea for them. And they walk right through it. I can't imagine the surreal experience that must be. Turning to your right and seeing a wall of water and maybe a fish going, what are they doing right there? 
and then getting to the other side. And what do they do once they get to the other side? Things were better in Egypt. We might have been slaves, but we had food. Why did you bring us out of Egypt if this was going to happen? So what does God do? Food from heaven. Starts raining manna from heaven. Oh, well, that's great and everything, God, but, but now we're kind of thirsty. Okay, here's a rock. And from this rock, water is going to come. Instant Ozarka. And here's the cool thing. It's going to go with you wherever you go. So you never get thirsty. Just knock on the rock and here comes water. And yet time and time, these people saw these amazing things. God moving in ways that I can only dream about. And yet they were like, God who? They engaged themselves, it says, in pagan revelry. Revelry of any kind is not good, but pagan revelry, really not good. They turned to sexual immorality. They turned away from God even though he was there. The temptations were so great of the world they lived in that they succumbed to them time and time again. And Paul's like, you see this? It's nothing new. Temptation is nothing new. It went on to our ancestors. And it happens today. It happens today. Temptation happens even to me, Paul says. But here's the cool thing about it. A comforting fact that he says there. The temptation that you're suffering right now is nothing new. You're not the only one going through it. If you're tempted by this, guess what? So are all these other people. You may be struggling with the temptation right now that you think you're the only one who has this one temptation and you're embarrassed and shocked and you don't even like to think about it yourself, but it rears itself. And there could be somebody else in this room that has the same thing. I guarantee you there's someone else that does have it somewhere. You're not the only one who suffers that temptation, Paul says. It's not a new temptation. You're not the premier one. It's somewhat comforting to know that, isn't it? To know that I'm not the only one struggling with this. Here's something that that I struggle with. Quite a bit, really, especially in the past year and a half. I have, I've gone through these, wow, this could be a really long story or not. Um, thankfully, my wife isn't here because she hates when I tell really long stories. When I was in high school, I, weigh, I graduated high school weighing 165 pounds. There was a time, uh, some, some many months ago, that I, I showed my senior basketball picture up on the big screen. And you might remember that because my ears have always been this size, actually, I think from birth. And when I'm really skinny, they're like, you know, they're huge. I mean, they don't change, but they look really, really big. And some people were laughing about that and it hurt. Um, But but ever since then, I mean, I ran cross country. I ran all the time. I played basketball. I did all these things. I was in musical theater, which is very strenuous. That's right, which is very strenuous. And, you know, you have to do a lot of, you know, you have to be in shape to do it, basically. And and then all these things. And over the last year and a half, I have turned to food so much. And turned away from, I get into these spurts where I'll go and I'll work out. And you might remember um, the Fit Faith Challenge that we did. That was because I knew that I needed, it had nothing to do with y'all really. 
most of this stuff doesn't, that I needed to do this and I needed to get back into shape and I needed to do things. And you think I wear my shirt tucked out because I just don't like to tuck it in? No, it's because I'm fat and I want to hide it. I grew a beard last year when I went to Colorado and then I shaved it off and I was like, oh my gosh, you look so much better with a beard. So I grew it back. Oh yeah, I deal with these things. And I go through these moments where I'm like, okay, like last night, um, Nora Scott, this, this person at church here, made us some lasagnas when our son was born. And we had one in the freezer. And I don't know if you know anything about Nora, but here's one thing. Girl can cook. I mean, just, woo, wow. And so I took it out of the freezer last night. My wife went to a wedding, and it was just me and the kids. And, and you know, they're not eating it, so it was just me. I, and so I heated it up, and, man, it was so good. And it was just kind of a rough night with my son, and he just... <laughs> He has my gene as well. He eats constantly. And, um, and so it was on and off with him. And I kept going back to the lasagna. I didn't finish the whole thing, or I probably wouldn't be here right now. And, but I kept going back. I know how much I should eat, but last night, temptation, thy name is lasagna. And then temptation, thy name is chalk and roll ice cream. It's a new American Idol ice cream from Dryers. It's chalk and roll. Oh, it's really good. But... I fall into these traps of, you know, I know what I need to be doing. My father-in-law is a doctor. He's like, you need to be working out. If anyone ever goes to see my father-in-law, his two questions are, are you having a quiet, are you having, no, what are the two questions? Is it green? That's the first question. Is it green? And then are you exercising? Thank you. You go see, you go see him. Yes. Are you getting your exercise? Those are his two questions. He went to medical school to get these two questions. But seriously, it's very important. And I know this, and yet so often I go back. Temptation, thy name is whatever it is that evening. One of the things that happens to you when you have a kid is people like to bring you food. Tiffany Mock is from Louisiana, and she brought some jambalaya to us. Oh, boy, I guarantee, you know, it was great. And there are many times when I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, don't, that's enough. You're done. You're done. But I enjoy the taste of food. I, I just, I love it. Despite different things, I like, so I go back. I don't want to, but that's one of my bigger temptations. It's one of my bigger failures. And you know what? I know I'm not the only one, as Paul says. And I do take comfort in that. But what I find more comforting is what he says next. God is faithful. God is faithful. And he will not give you a temptation. He will not allow a temptation to overcome you. He's not going to allow this to take me down. The thing is, he's with me at all times. I know that. And there are moments when I'm, when I'm falling in this temptation that God is speaking to me. I don't know if you have this when you, if whatever your temptation is, and it's kind of rearing its head, the one that you keep going back to, that little thing that you're like, well, it's not that big of a deal, really. That one thing. Does God ever talk to you during those moments? He does me. I just hear, I, I just hear this, don't do it. Don't go back there. Don't, nope, you're done. Put it away. Put it back in the refrigerator so you won't think about it. Don't do it. Don't, that, you did that. Sometimes I win. Sometimes I lose. There are times when I allow God to give me the strength to move beyond my temptation. 
There are times when I feel his power. And here's the thing. If you don't think God doesn't know about temptation because he's God, you're wrong. Look at Matthew chapter 4. It's the story of Jesus in the desert. Jesus has been in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. He's been fasting, not having a thing to eat. He's out there in the middle of the desert, not a comfortable environment to be in. And all of a sudden, the devil pops up. Hey, what's up, JC? How about a steak? How about a bowl of ice cream? You know, it says, what about this bread? And Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone. But you know there's more to it than the little text right here, right? You know there's got to be more to it because it wouldn't have been that easy for Jesus, I think. Have you ever smelled fresh baked bread and fresh brewed coffee? Oh, it's just great. What about Cinnabon? You know the Cinnabon stores? I think they really pump out their smell into the mall or wherever they are so that people go, it's like, oh my God, I don't know what's happening. I just have to go to Cinnabon. I'm sure that something like that was happening to Jesus. It wasn't just like, hey, why don't you make bread? It was, dude, check this out. I know you're hungry. I'm sure Jesus' stomach just was... Nope. He might have even reached for it and just gone, let me just pick it up for you. Man does not live by bread alone. And then he goes on and... And, and the devil takes him to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem. He says, jump off. God says that nothing's ever going to touch you. Nothing's ever going to hurt you. So let's see that. Jesus goes, no. I'd like to show you that God is right and that God's word is true. But no. Because God also says, do not test the Lord your God. And then he goes on, which I think is the biggest one. He takes him up to this mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, all of this can be yours. He's like Earl Shive. All of this can be yours. You just bow to me. I'm not talking a big bow, Jesus. I'm not talking get on your hands and knees for an hour. I'm just real quick, up down. Real quick bow. That's all you need to do. And all of it will be yours. Here's the reason why I think this is the biggest one for Christ. Because he knew what was going to happen to him. He knew what was going to happen. He knew the torture that was going to come. The ridicule, the beatings, the abuse, the nails. He knew that was coming. And don't you think that maybe was a little tempting? I can get the kingdom over all of these things, and I don't have to go through that. What does he say? Oh, uh-uh. There is no other God but the one God. Look at how desperate he got in the garden. He was so desperate that blood was coming out of his tears. He was so scared and desperate. You know he must have been tempted. So if you think God doesn't know temptation, he does. He knows it personally and painfully. But here's the thing. He also knows the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit to carry him through it. As soon as he tells the devil no for the third time, the devil vanishes and angels come upon him. 
God knows what we go through on a daily basis. God knows those dark nights when we're by ourselves and that temptation creeps into our head and we want to turn back to the thing that we used to do, but we know we shouldn't because we're trying to lead a different life now. God knows that struggle. He knows the pain. He knows the questions and the anguish and the feeling of loss. He knows the void that is in our soul that we are trying to fill with this one thing. He knows about all of that. He's like, no. I'm going to fill it. Let me be there. I'm faithful. I will not give you so much that you can't handle it because I am here. Let me take the temptation. What happens those times, those moments when you, when you want to do that thing, but you don't, you know, you're facing that, that cavern of temptation and you make it through to the other side without falling in. You hear the voice of God saying, Michael, don't go back to the freezer. Chalk and roll isn't that great. It is, but you don't need it. Step away from the spoon. What happens those times when you do? You feel good, don't you? Don't you feel good? You kind of feel victorious. You're like, yeah. I mean, and it may seem trivial to you stepping away from the spoon, for some of you, but for some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you know what I'm talking about for your own temptation. You turn the computer off. You don't go into that hotel room. You put the bottle down. You turn away from whatever temptation is there. And you feel the power of God moving through you and you move on. It's a feeling of victory. It's a feeling of release. It's just a great feeling. At the end of the scene there, I don't know if you noticed it. You had to because it was on there for a while. Bobby Jones, the god of golf, really. When Juna says the ball's here and now it's here. In other words, he's taking the stroke on himself and he's giving up his chance to beat the greatest golfers of all time. And he's like, no, I got to take it. Hagen slaps him on the back. Well, better hit it before you change your mind. And he walks off. But Jones just looks at him. Do you remember the look he had on his face? I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. The whole world, your idol, me, we're, we were telling you not to do it. Don't take the stroke. Cheat. And you didn't falter. I'm proud of you. I'm going to beat you, but I'm proud of you. I like to think that that's the face God gives us on those moments. Looking down going, you know what, Michael, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You let me in. You listen to me. You let me give you the strength that you need. I'm proud of you. It's a great feeling to know that love. It's a great feeling to know the victory of moving beyond that temptation, whatever it is. See, that's, that's the thing about temptation. Is when you beat it, when you beat it, It's a victory. It's a redemptive victory. It's a salvation victory. It's a victory of grace and of mercy and love. It's a victory of the cross. 
I bring my temptation and I lay it at the foot of the cross. I say, God, I can't deal with this anymore. Take it from me. Being a pastor, I have an opportunity to meet with people on different things and, and people will come and share with me some of their darkest moments and some of their deepest thoughts. And it always, always breaks my heart and fills me with joy and pride when someone comes to me and says, I am dealing with this, this temptation. I can't stop drinking. I can't turn off pornography. Whatever it is, it's ruining my life. I can't do it anymore, and I need God. Man, it breaks my heart to hear the pain and struggle that they and their family have gone through, but it fills me with such joy to know that they know where the answer is, that they know where salvation and redemption are coming from. It's through the power of God and the Holy Spirit, because God is faithful. God is faithful. Whatever your temptation is, it will continue to rear its head. It will continue from time to time. When you think you have it beat, it will show up again. Because that's the way our world works. But if you know Jesus, if you have the strength of the Spirit inside of you, and you do, you can beat it. You can beat it. You can beat it. And you'll be able to say, temptation thy name is, because I have God. Maybe you'll get to feel that smiling, proud, fatherly face looking down upon you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for being the God of peace and love, for being a God who cares so desperately for us that you wanted to know all that we would know, feel all that we would feel, that you wanted to feel the pain that we would, the anguish that we would. Thank you for allowing yourself to do that. God, thank you for being the faithful God that you are, giving us the strength in the moments that we don't have it, whispering to us, you're strong enough to make it through this moment. My child, you're the rock on which we stand, our fortress and strong tower. And we claim the victory over this temptation, whatever it is, because you are God. So we don't keep it to ourselves any longer, Lord.